is the Under Center Podcast. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Under Center Podcast. I am your host, Daramar. I am back in the hot seat this week. Thank you very much to Fionn for taking the reins last week. I am delighted to be joined by the other Malloy brother, that is Rian. Rian, how are you this week, this evening, I should say, after the weekend? Well, as good as you can be when your team loses week two. But um, hey, look, we're surviving. We still have, what is it, 16 weeks of football to watch. So I'm happy enough. Um, Fionn had some pretty rough things to say about you there last week with you being out. I don't know if you heard them, but um, yeah, I, I wasn't involved in any of the slander. I heard you say some things, all right, about me not being fun. So I'm going to make this the most boring <laughs> show possible for you now tonight. Excellent, uh, I love it. But I love the fact that, like, yeah, our two teams lost the weekend. I don't love the fact that our two teams lost the weekend. I love the fact that we came on the show to talk it out. Have like a little bit of a therapy session after what we saw. You know, Jake is not available because the Giants won. And Adam's not here because the Patriots won. Uh, Fionn should be here because the Commanders lost and lost handsomely. But he obviously he's not available to make it. But um, we'll, uh, we'll get each other through this rough time. Absolutely. Well, Jake wasn't even invited on the show after after the game. <laughs> A bit salty. <laughs> you were uh, this close, this close to the uh, <laughs> kick from group chat. Is that what it was? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to have a look back at what was an eventful week two of the NFL season. Most notably, of course, the uh, Sunday games are going to speak uh, mainly about um, because as we record this, the Monday games still have not happened. We'll speak a little bit about them and, and give our thoughts ahead of it um, if we have the time. Um, first thing we should say off the bat, though, Rian, uh, as as a Sunday and as a whole, the early slate of games, so much excitement, um, unbelievable comebacks, almost comebacks as well. The second slate of games were a bit of a disappointment. There was, you know... Uh, some low scoring affairs like the one in Denver there was blowouts like um in San Francisco the obviously the the Carolina the it's not Carolina sorry the Arizona Cardinals and, and the Vegas was a fantastic game the the Rams did their best to throw it away in in, in SoFi against the the Falcons but that first late of games it, it was definitely sort of a Jekyll and Hyde situation there yesterday yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, the first slate of games kind of started out as if they were going to be that kind of slow burner that sometimes we see in week two. But I mean, everything just started kicking off towards that uh, second half of those early slate of games. And what a set of games they were. There were some unbelievable results, some unbelievable football played. So yeah, it was uh, great to watch. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to get straight into them. But before we do, we must mention that we are delighted to say we're brought to you by uh, Locker in partnership. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a range of NFL premium sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and play store today uh it's, it's fantastic app like i said we we had matt uh stearman who is the co-founder on a couple of weeks ago um, and we got to chat about it i um, so many great things to to do with the app to you know like i said i like my seattle sports 
I get all the Seattle sports I need because I can I can personalize it to the way I want. And for you, Reid, I'm sure you can personalize it to where uh, to everything Panthers news and waiting for the breaking news that Matt Rule is is getting dismissed. <laughs> we're this close. We're this close. <laughs> But we're not going to start uh, with the Panthers, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for you. There's only one place we can start, and that has to be Baltimore. It's, of course, the Baltimore Ravens, 38, the Miami Dolphins, 42. The Dolphins scoring 28 points in the fourth quarter to come from behind to shock the AFC North team. Uh, and Rian, you're I want to know first of all from this game to it, Tunga Vailoa throwing for six touchdowns and 469 yards. Is this the tour that we were expecting to see, or is this a flash in the pan that maybe we'll um go back to the mean now next week? Do you know, I think this is the tour that most people want to see. I know there's a lot of haters out there who want to see him fail, but. You know, I, I, I think this guy is going to be here to stay for the rest of the year. This Tua that looks like he can hit his receivers, he can throw for a lot of yards, and he has the cast around him to do that, right? We saw Waddle and Tyreek Hill both go over 100 yards in that game with two touchdowns apiece. They're just insane numbers. This is Madden numbers we're talking about here. Uh, just unbelievable to watch. Uh, I don't know about you though. Do you re- do you think that Tua is going to be kind of here to stick around, or are you more on the fence? I don't. I don't know. Like I, I do think Tua has gotten a bit of a bad rap since he's come into the league. Um, ever since he, you know, had that hip injury in college, and then he came in. I think it was like the ninth overall pick he was taken by Miami. Um, and I think they've there's been a timer on him ever since then that. The Dolphins are waiting just to move on. Of course, all the reports last season were for Deshaun Watson. And then we heard uh, during the season was Deshaun Watson. In the offseason, it was Tom Brady. Um, so we're looking to see. And then just before the season started, ironically enough, Lamar Jackson liking a tweet of him in a Dolphins uniform. Of course, him being from the Miami area as well. So, you know, it's it's two has had to face a lot of criticism and a, a lot of doubters in his time. And you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of, of from Tua to, you know, agree with those doubters. You know, he's a guy that's into his third year now in the league. Um, there is, you obviously have to cater a certain offense around him due to his height. And, of course, he's the rarity of a left-handed quarterback in the NFL as well. And I think that's what um, Mike McDaniel is doing here now, you know, and He's got these speedy guys like Tyreek Hill, like Jalen Waddle, who just like you mentioned, went for insane numbers um, yesterday, like what 190 yards for Tyreek and 11 receptions, 11 receptions also for Jalen Waddle, 171 yards, both with two touchdowns. Unbelievable. Now, we should also mention on the other side of things is Lamar Jackson as well, because Lamar Jackson had a fantastic game too. And any other day, he would be um, on the winning side and, you know, probably in the running for a air AFC player of the week because his numbers, 318 yards for three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also rushed for 119 yards and nine carries and scored a touchdown. These are unbelievable numbers from two quarterbacks that have, you know, faced criticism in that time. Um, and I think it was a kind of, you know, maybe both of them giving that metaphorical middle finger to the doubters out there. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that 
you know, that uh, touchdown run that he went in for. Lamar Jackson, oh my God, that was electric from start to finish, that whole play. Unbelievable stuff. And the, to see these two guys uh, fighting it out there on the field like that, it's just great to watch. Uh, one thing that I will say about Tua is we saw him hit the deep ball a few times in that game. And that's something that really was on the tip of doubters tongues was that he did not have the deep ball potential i think since he's come back from his hip injury he's fully recovered from that i think he has that power to now drive through the ball and hit those deep balls uh, at least to the extent that he has to you know because his guys do get open downfield waddle and hill are some of the fastest guys in the league so yeah the, he, he hits them to the extent that he needs to yeah um, and I'd like to see now because the Dolphins of offensive line got a lot of criticism last year. Now they brought in Armstead from the Saints on a huge contract, and he seems to have steadied a lot on that offensive line, which is given to at that time to hit those long balls as well. Um, to Tyreek and Waddle, so it'll be interesting to see, um, if that can continue because nor normally the uh Ravens offense or defensive line is quite um. Uh, is quite stout and it is uh, dangerous and it's hard to hold back and and for being sacked only once in the game too as well it is very impressive and we'll see now um, what happens uh, in week three with both these sides it's going to be very interesting if I just have a look at the schedule here for both uh, teams um, and see who they face next it'd be great if I had this prepared wouldn't it Uh, the Dolphins are going to face the Bills actually the Bills next week so that's going to be an interesting game and the Ravens are taking on the Patriots so that's going to be two very interesting tests for both sides big tests uh, in different ways of course you know the Patriots are always stout defensively I think it's going to be more of a shootout when it comes to uh, Miami and uh, the Bills so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It'll be the first proper real test of uh, that Dolphins squad if they have that kind of Super Bowl caliber that they've been talking about that they do have. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and it is good to see that we do possibly have a challenger for the Bills in, in the AFC East as well because uh, I think us included thought, a lot of people us included thought that the Bills are going to run away with this division and if the Dolphins can do something in that game next week against the Bills providing the Bills win on on the Monday night that we could see an interesting division race now right yeah this could shake everything up and the fact that they play each other twice is even more kind of spicy you know uh, we get to see these two quarterbacks go face to face or more so the offenses right the offenses are so high powered that it's just going to be electric to watch that and we're lucky to be able to see it once let alone twice so uh yeah looking forward to it and i think you know if the dolphins win that game and take the lead in that division this early on i think that's going to put a little bit of stress on josh allen a little bit of stress on that bill's coaching staff and i think it might uh the pressure might tell I know you're not. I know you weren't feeding into the Bills hype before the off season, and I think you're maybe hoping more for a Dolphins win in that rather than expecting it. Yeah, look, <laughs> the Bills. The Bills looked incredible week one, so um, I I can't see them being beaten by the uh, Miami Dolphins. But you know, who knows? 
who knows? Who knows? We'll see next week for sure. Um, let's move on. We're going to stay in the AFC East and let's talk about those Jets. The Jets 31, Cleveland Browns 30. The Jets were down 31, or sorry, 30, I should say, to 17 with less than two minutes left. A long Corey Davis touchdown and then an onside kick recovery followed by rookie Garrett Wilson getting his second touchdown of the game. Smoking Joe Flacco for 307 yards and four touchdowns. What a game. And the Jets, out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere because I had them back this week. I had a feeling that something was going to happen. But the Jets going to Cleveland and beating the Browns. What do you think? Absolutely amazing. And, you know, seeing an onside kick recovered, that's rarer than a unicorn these days, right? Like, unbelievable to see it at the end of the game. And then to go win it afterwards, holy crap. Joe Flacco looked like old Joe Flacco, Super Bowl winning MVP Joe Flacco. Um, yes, yeah, shame he couldn't do it in week one. But look, it's, uh, it's good to see him back. Uh, he might be making Zach Wilson sweat a little bit for that starting role. A little hopeful, but you never know. You never know. Always the optimist. Always. The optimist. <laughs> but we should also say welcome to Garrett Wilson to the NFL. He he didn't um he didn't contribute too much in week one, but he definitely contributed yesterday with a uh, hundred and two yards on eight receptions and two touchdowns. This is why the Jets drafted him so highly. They want um and he showed yesterday that. I think that he uh, could be someone to watch now in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing that Wilson to Wilson combo uh, matchup when he does get back from his injury. Um, and, you know, he has all of the physical traits to be an outstanding wide receiver in this league for many years. So, yeah, it looks hopeful. And looking on the Cleveland side of things, though, Jacoby Brissett didn't have the worst game in, in the world. But um, I think the Jets sort of showed that what you can do to the Browns to make their offense struggle. And that is load the box, stop their rushing attack, make Brissett, Brissett throw the ball um, and make him try and, and get the, the Browns down the field, which we've seen from his time with other teams he struggles to do. Right, yeah. I, I I think he's a little bit wary to throw that deep ball, right? He's got the second lowest interception uh, to pass ratio out of anybody other than Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, he, he he's kind of not that risk taker, that gunslinger that maybe an offense like Cleveland needs, particularly with Amari Cooper on the outside. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually they can get the job done on the ground with Nick Chubb. They certainly did against the Panthers in week one. Um, so great job to the Jets for for stopping that, uh, keeping them under 100 yards. But I'm interested to know, Dara, what your thoughts are on the last touchdown that Chubb got. Uh, a lot of people out there are saying that they should have kept the ball in play, run the clock down because they already had the lead. Uh, wondering what your thoughts are there. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and it, look, analytics say, yeah, keep the ball in play, let the clock wind down and, and just see the game out that way. But, you know, I'm guessing if you go two touchdowns up, you're not expecting to to lose that game. And with the the low percentage chance of actually recovering an onside kick as well, there were days with the rules set so much against the team kicking off, reclaiming the ball, that you understand why 
teams continue to do that. I I, I do rem- I do remember the the time and look, it happened it happened then and it happened last week and it happened then. I think it was a two seasons ago. Was it last season that uh, it was the Falcons against the Lions and they were in the same situation where the Falcons um, only needed a um, only needed a field goal to win the game. They were in the red zone and the Lions pretty much basically gave them free reign to run the ball in. They did with Todd Gurley, but he was meant to stop at the one yard line, but he he actually fell into the end zone, meaning that a touchdown for the Lions would have won the game. They scored the touchdown to win the game. Same thing as the Jets did there today. And like you're saying, all he had to do was, was wind down the clock. But so look, maybe, yeah, you're right. They should have done that, but you know, hindsight is 2020. Absolutely. And I think that's a, the, the perfect phrase. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We get a lot of hindsight coaches out there going, oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. Same with Russell Wilson week one should have gone for it on fourth down. I mean, like if if the whole coaching staff believes in McManus to make that field goal from 63 yards, then why not let him take the field goal? Um, but yeah, I, I'm on your side in this one. It's very easy to forget that if you're going two touchdowns up, you can lose that game. I mean, usually people go 14 points, happy days. We're in the clear now. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm on your side now. Excellent. Uh, I'm glad to have someone on my side now for that. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate that. Um, We've mentioned the Lions. Let's actually talk about the Lions because the Detroit Lions got their first win of the season beaten. The Washington Commanders, 36 points to 27. The Lions were... Uh, 22 nil up at half time before the commanders realized that oh we have to play offense at some stage in this game yeah. and they try they tried to mount the comeback didn't work the damage was done in the first half the story of this game has to be Amon Ross St. Brown uh, an unbelievable performance again both on the ground and in the air rushing for 68 yards getting 116 yards in reception in uh in receptions, I should say, reception yards, and two touchdowns with that as well. He's continued, I think it was a streak since last season, uh, I think it's eight games in a row now, that he scored at least one touchdown in the game. He is turning into a fantastic player for the Detroit Lions. Absolutely, yeah. He's looking like a true wide receiver one. Uh, There was that question when he initially started out as to whether he could fill that role, but we see him now in that role. We see Reynolds on the other side really complimenting him. He had another nice day yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's it's looking great. That was an offensive explosion uh, by the Lions there uh, on Sunday. Um, and, yeah. yeah, on the flip side of that, you know, the Commanders, I think they had, what, one first down in the first half? That's peak Carson Wentz. They... they, they narrative out there was that second coming you know he has returned four touchdowns in his first game no one else had any more than two touchdowns uh in the nfc i believe no no other nfc quarterback had more than two touchdowns he had four um and then he goes and stinks it up in the first half of the next game out pete carson wins Yeah, he tried to bring it back in the second half. Um, he did finish today with 337 yards, with three touchdowns, and a pick. But on the other side, Jared Goff showing something against this Washington defense. He threw, uh, although it was only 200, 
and 56 yards. Still getting four touchdowns in that game as well. It is great for, for the Lions to be in these such exciting games, but the one concern you would have is the defense is allowing a lot of points. They are, yes. That's two weeks in a row now. I think they're, uh, they've conceded 70 points in the last two weeks or above 70 points in the last two mm-hmm. weeks. So, yeah, not looking good there. I mean, their, their defense had a good day as well, right? We saw some flashes, uh, particularly from uh, Hutchinson. He had that safety in the first half. Uh, yeah, but they three are, sacks as well. Three sacks as well. But they're still getting kind of burnt for big points on the outside. We saw... Uh, Curtis Samuel had a really big day yesterday so um, yeah I'd be worried about that going forward when they start facing these real uh, true top caliber offenses I would be a little bit hesitant to back them in any of those games to be honest yeah it is it, it is a day now look we, we thought that the the Eagles were going to be a good defense and they still scored a lot of points on the Eagles defense as well um, but they conceded just as much against his Eagles offense, obviously more losing that game. But, you know, it, it, when it comes to these other games, when, look, even when they face a Minnesota who have, a, when it comes to, when they're going up against like a Justin Jefferson, we saw what AJ Brown did some tearing them apart, that like a Justin Jefferson, you know, and, and things could get ugly in games, which I think, look, it's all great to be, to be watching these games. But if you're a Lions fan, you're just hoping maybe that, that Dan Campbell can just tighten things up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think bringing up, you know, the, um, the Vikings is an interesting point. The quarterbacks that they've played against till now in the league have not been the best, right? So I don't have much faith in Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. And I don't think much of Carson Wentz either. Now, when they start to come up against guys like, Kirk Cousins, who is able to manage a game very, very well, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, I would be very, very worried about this defense. So the hope is there for Dan Campbell that they do tighten it up before they have to play against these top, top caliber uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see in, in week three the, the teams uh, respectively. We're looking at the Lions. Actually, they travel to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. So we've talked about it. We're going to see next week what um, this Lions defense is uh, like against probably the top wide receiver in the NFL at the moment. Uh, and then also then for the Commanders, they are traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles in an NFC East divisional matchup. But let's move on to, let's go to the NFC South and let's have a chat about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20, the New Orleans Saints 10. Uh, a 3-3 game right up to the start of the fourth quarter where things got interesting, starting with the melee between both players and uh, starting with... Uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. Mike Evans, as a result, has a one-game ban for next week. So he is going to miss the game against the Green Bay Packers, which is going to be a tough loss for Tampa Bay, especially if the likes of Julio Jones and Chris Godwin are going to be missing too because we saw the frustrations uh, clearly on Tom Brady's face, which he took out on his, his Microsoft Surface tab on the sideline, um, that he was struggling to, to pass on this New Orleans defense. Yeah, it, it was an interesting game overall. I don't think either quarterback had the best of days. Um, Tom Brady just didn't look right from the start. Uh, made some 
errors that you wouldn't usually make. I think most uh, the the most uh, poignant of which was that fumbled exchange between the center and himself. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he he really struggled against the Saints, but I wasn't really too surprised by that. He struggled in the past against the Saints, particularly when he's been in a Bucks uniform. Um, he's lost the last four that he's played against the the Saints, so not a hundred percent surprising. But um, yeah, I mean, anytime you see Tom Brady play a game like that, you're kind of like, what's going on here? What's gone wrong with Tom Brady? Um, yeah. No, and, and you're totally right. On the other side of things, Jameis Winston, after the sort of plaudits he got in week one, um, you know, we kind of reverted back to old Jameis. Uh, three picks in the game, only one um, touchdown pass. Now, he did go into the game, I believe, what was it, with uh, four fractures in his back. Um, right, yeah. So it's questionable why um, he even was put out there in the first place. Do you think maybe it was irresponsible of um, first the Saints medical staff and then the Saints coaching staff to, to put him out there yesterday? Well, I mean, if you're to believe the coaching staff and the medical staff, there was no risk of uh, furthering that injury. Um, he was padded up from his C1 vertebrae down to a C4. So they said he was totally safe to play. Now, in terms of the game, was it a responsible decision to make? I'm not so sure. Um, surely they have. I mean, in, in Taysom Hill, they can roll him out a quarterback. He can win you a game with his legs. Um, and it would be something that... Don't forget Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton too, of course. Yeah, he yeah. could... So if you could two-headed monster that, I think, um, Tampa Bay would be in for a real tough day, particularly because they would have been preparing for James Winston, right? Yeah. Now, I don't think all of this is down to the coaching staff. A couple of those picks that Jameis Winston threw were really, really ill-advised. I think he was just making bad decisions out there. How much of that was down to the pain he was experiencing? Not so sure, but he definitely shouldn't have thrown those balls that went for picks. It could have been more down to him ch wanting to chase the game and get upfield to try and get those scores back. Um, can I ask you, though, because Alvin Kamara missed the game with an injury as well. Do you think if Alvin Kamara was fit, do you think maybe they would have taken the decision to sit uh, Jameis then? It's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, we know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are always stout against the run. So would the coaching staff maybe have thought that Alvin Kamara was going to make the difference? Like, Murray didn't do too bad. He didn't have too many big explosive runs, but he still he, he got the job done on the ground. Um. Yeah, I I can't see Alvin Kamara making that much of a difference on this game. Like, particularly not ten points difference. Um, in the final score. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we will move on then, and I think we will stick with an AFC South team. Uh, and Rian, now here's your chance to vent a little bit because the Carolina Panthers went over to New York to face the Giants and they left with the, a big fat L, losing by 19 points to 16. A sort of reverted to type sort of game for the Giants in the last uh, few years where the offense struggled, it was low scoring, there wasn't a lot happening and and though in the end, somehow, some way, the Giants um, eked out a victory here. 
Yeah, I, I want to start by praising the Giants. They are showing some tremendous grit to start the season. I mean, these have been tough, tough wins that they've gotten, and they've been deserving of them, if I'm being honest. Um, the Panthers, frustrating again to watch. Um, I don't know if I'm looking at this team with my Carolina blue tinted glasses, but it seems like they have enough talent on that team to be succeeding on offense and dominating on defense. Now, they stopped the run this week. Saquon Barkley had a very, very, I wouldn't say poor game, but he was certainly stifled a lot throughout the whole game. Um, But the offense just couldn't get going again. And when you have a star-studded cast like they do with DJ Moore outside, Robbie Anderson on the opposite side, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, you should be able to move the ball against defenses like the Giants, who were really banged up. You know, they had corners on the outside missing. Um, Their linebacker core is pretty slow, in my opinion. So the speed guys on the outside and in Christian McCaffrey should have run amok in this game, but they just didn't. And I think that's probably more so down to the coaching and the play calling than the players themselves. So... I would say, to be honest, I'm on the rule outside of things. Uh, I want them gone as quick as possible. But who's going to come in and fill that role? Uh, do you think there's really scope for firing a coach in week two or week three of a season? Or do you think that just looks shambolic as no, a whole? I, I don't think you, you can. Because I think then you start to run into the football model over in the UK where you, like, it's cheaper to get rid of a manager than it is to get rid of a, a full team that's underperforming. Um, we saw a kind of old Christian McCaffrey a little bit there because he sort of went off in the rushing. He he definitely got his um, reps in yesterday, going for over 100 yards on the ground. And then I think you add another, I think it was another 20 or 30 yards in, in, in the air too. Um, all that was missing was the touchdown. Um, it. It is still. I think. I think the biggest problem that Carolina had is the fact that he took so long to complete this trade for Baker Mayfield that he didn't get enough time to get accustomed to the new playbook and to the new way of things, um, and that is leading to a lot of struggles in in the um, offensive side of the ball because we've seen in the first two games, the first half he has struggled immensely, and I think. Now, this is me just guessing. I don't know if it's actually happening, but I think in in the second half, they are scaling back the playbook a little bit um, and giving him stuff that maybe he would have seen more of in the likes when he was with Cleveland and maybe sort of easier plays for him to manage. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting point. I think they are kind of scaling it back in the second half and going, look, go to your playmakers. Uh, we saw that DJ Moore was non-existent in the first half, but then they consistently hit him on the second half. And I think it was their first drive when they went for a touchdown. Um, and they did the same with Christian McCaffrey later on in the game. Um, but I mean, the coaching just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the fact that, you know, as you said yourself, Baker Mayfield needs to be kind of getting accustomed to things. They have a familiar face there in um, Higgins, Richard Higgins, that he's just not getting snaps on the field. And in a game where Shy Smith had, uh, I think it was three drops, three open drops, 
Rashad Higgins should have been getting in that game just to settle things for Baker Mayfield because I think Baker Mayfield's confidence is a little bit shot at the moment, right? Uh, hindsight, looking back, Brown's week one was not a good thing. They knew exactly what he was going to do. They got in his face. They deflected the ball, I think it was five times in that game. And that's really gotten in his head because we saw him break the pocket a lot um, in, in the Giants game. And sometimes there was no pressure. Sometimes he was just breaking the pocket because he, he felt pressure off the outside or was worried about getting a, a ball tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think that, you know, scale back the playbook from the very beginning. Lean on your workhorses in Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Um, and just get things going early on because I cannot sit through another week of anemic offense in the first half. Well, it doesn't get any easier next week for the Panthers because they are uh, playing at home, but it is against the New Orleans Saints, one of the most stout defences and one that I'm sure Baker's going to find hard to, to play against, especially if uh, such a good run defence that they have. They won't be able to really rely on McCaffrey um, that much. On the other side of things, sorry, with the Giants, they are uh, playing on the Monday Night Football next week against the Dallas Cowboys so that should be an interesting game that I'm sure no one's going to stay up for to watch Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones but hey look that's uh, next week's problem let's move on to the next game and let's have a look see what we talk about ah yes might as well the New England Patriots 17 and the Pittsburgh Steelers 14 I think this is the first time they said in 10 years maybe longer, that um, these two sides have faced each other without both, without either, sorry, Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady in the lineup. And, you know, you take those those guys out and you can see the team struggle. After the highs of winning that game in Cincinnati last week, the Steelers reverted to type in terms of their offense with uh, having Mitch Trubisky as the, the quarterback. He struggled all day, only trying for... Uh, 168 yards out of with uh, 21 to 33 with a touchdown and the pick Najee Harris struggled on the ground only getting 49 yards this offense of Pittsburgh which was kind it kind of was overshadowed by the defense last week it kind of got a pass because the defense was so good and sort of brought them into that game but the Steelers really struggled in this and I think it's what we feared with Mitch Trubisky that he was going to struggle in this offense Notable uh, cheers in the third quarter from the Pittsburgh crowd calling for Kenny Pickett as well. Showing Kenny, Kenny, Kenny wanting the uh, the rookie quarterback to come in the game. Mike, Tom Mike Tomlin resisted uh, the uh, opportunity to put the rookie in the game and kept it going with Mitch. And, you know, it's a team that struggled on the other side of things. The Patriots get a much needed win. Uh, after the disappointment of last week against the Dolphins and a, a game that a lot of people thought that uh, the Patriots were going to struggle in. And, and Mac Jones, um, who had injury concerns during the week with a bad back, uh, came back into us. And Nelson Aguilar, out of nowhere, 110 yards and a touchdown from only six receptions, including with that touchdown where he must a Keller Witherspoon to grab the ball and score that touchdown. But um, one of the, you know, more forgetful games in this uh, crazy early slate of games on Sunday. But, but Reem, what did you think about both sides coming out of this game? 
Yeah, both sides really struggled to move the football. And that's the second week in a row now for the Patriots, uh, where they have struggled to move the football on offense. And that's a worry for me, right? Usually they are, you know, not the best on offense, but they do that kind of game management style, dink and dunk it down the field and put the onus on their defense. But they haven't been able to play their way out of a wet paper bag these last couple of weeks. They were only probably helped out by the fact that TJ Watt was injured and that the Steelers have Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. It's a weird one for me. The Steelers seem like they're a quarterback away from being a really good offense, right? I like Deontay Johnson on the outside. Najee Harris looks like a very good running back. They have a strong, stout offensive line. And Pat Fryermurth has been uh, breaking out recently. So it really does feel like they're a quarterback away now in terms of let's get Kenny in the game I would be skeptical about how well he can actually do he got beaten out by Mitch Trubisky and it's interesting that they even went for Mitch Trubisky or not Mitch Trubisky it's interesting that they went for Kenny Pickett in the draft considering they have got this decent offense there and Pickett has never really been a, a proven commodity in college football so yeah I, I can't see it but maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective I don't know do you think Pickett would succeed in this offense um I think he would do better than Mitch but that's not setting a high bar and um, right I think the thing that Mitch was great at in it's Chicago, and, and the great is being very generous because I'm sure Bears fans listen to this be like, Mitch was never great, so stop talking. But he he was sort of that dual threat where he could go with his legs um, because he wasn't too accurate with his, with his arms. So we haven't seen a lot of that in these first two games with Mitch. He scrambled a bit. Um, just looking at, at it here, he, he actually only rushed once. Um, for seven yards in in the whole game, he only broke out once for that, and I don't know if that's Tomlin telling him not to do it. It it must be because he he just did it for for fun in Chicago, and um, maybe he's trying to prove that he can be more of a pocket passer. But it so far is not so good. I think that it's going to it's going to be tough now. I think for for Mitch to win um over the uh, the Steelers fans and I think he was on a, a hiding to nothing when they did draft Kenny Pickett because he's the local guy he went to college and you know um trained in the same you know facility as the Steelers you know Steelers fans love that stuff and, and they're gonna want this, to see Kenny Pickett succeed and I think it is only a matter of time but I don't think that if Trubisky is brought in brought taken out I don't think he's bringing Kenny Pickett in. I think he's going to probably put Mason Rudolph in there instead. And that'll send the Steelers fans absolutely insane. And I am here for it. I am here for it. I cannot wait for that. Um, So we'll see. But look, he he has the game on Thursday night against the Browns in Cleveland. You know, NFC North matchup these games are always tough always low scoring you know so and um, when you have the chance you have to take it we'll see what happens um uh, on the other side of things with the patriots you know they um let me see where are the patriots now next week they are or like i said sorry you mentioned it earlier they, they are entertaining the ravens um at gillette stadium so we'll see what happens there now 
with that. Let's move on to the next game. And this one, I think, was one of the more surprising score lines of the whole weekend. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe not surprised by that because of what happened in week 18 last year. But with 24 points to nil, the Colts were completely shut out. And I think it is, I think the Colts are, I think the, you know, how can I say, what was I going to try and say is, you know, the, the strategy of Frank Reich and, you know, uh, the, the Colts so far, I think the, I think it's coming back again against them now. They, they've refused for years to, to draft a quarterback instead getting these aging, aging quarterbacks in hoping they'll do a job for a year or so. Um, and then move on to the next guy. And, We've seen there Matt Ryan throwing three picks yesterday. You know, Jonathan Taylor at one point in the second half had four yards from five attempts. This offense seemed broken yesterday. I know Michael Pittman was out, but I don't think that's a good enough reason to, to struggle this badly. But, you know, we, we put a thing on Twitter, um, a, bit, a bit of a meme, and, and saying that Frank Reich is, is on the hot seat. And I genuinely believe that he is one of those head coaches with Matt Rule. Um, and I would have said Cliff Kingsbury before yesterday's game um, that he is on the hot seat and he is looking nervously over his shoulder, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. He has to be. And I think it's interesting you mentioned the Michael Pittman thing, right? Because this is Matty Ice all over. The guy throughout his entire career really only throws to one guy, right? He has his clear wide receiver one that he likes throwing the ball to. And if you take that away, he's going to have a poor day. Today, Michael Pittman didn't start because of an injury and he imploded. He didn't have his number one target. He imploded. They couldn't get anything done on defense. Fair play to uh, Trevor Lawrence and that Jack- Jacksonville um, offense. They did an excellent job of capitalizing on that. But it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Frank Reich actually is on the hot seat because last season they didn't so much blame the coaching as they blamed the quarterback. And I don't know how they got away with that considering the numbers that Carson Wentz put up for them. He did exactly the job he was asked to do there. So I think probably the general manager, owner, uh, head coach and Frank Reich, they're all kind of in cahoots a little bit there. And, um, I wouldn't be putting my money on him to be first fired out of everybody. Uh, I'd be putting that on Matt Rule, and after that, probably McCarthy down in uh, down in Dallas. Yeah, it, it it is. And you mentioned the defense, and I know Shaquille Leonard wasn't playing, but and he is a, a quite important piece to that defense, especially being you know the captain and and the signal caller in that defense. But you know. The whole team was burned completely. Like the offensive line looks um, dysfunctional. The you know you got Stephen Gilmore in the backfield, and with the experience he has, you think he'd be doing better. But he was burned by Christian Kirk so many times, and you know I do fear for the Colts. Um, I had a fear for them this season. I fear for it even more now with, with games like that. And you know <laughs> what's even worse is they're entertaining the Chiefs next week, and if. You know, Trevor Lawrence can throw the ball around with ease against that uh, Colts defense. Lord knows what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's very telling that they've now gone 
0-1 and 1 against two of the worst teams in football. Um, this is going to be rough for the Colts all season long unless they can turn it around because they do have a strong schedule moving forward, uh, primarily of which you mentioned it, Patrick Mahomes next week. Uh, if you have him on fantasy football, you better be playing him because he's going to have himself a day against that uh, Indianapolis defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I should mention as well, and give some praise to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, Doug Pearson gets his first win as the new head coach of the team. You know, uh, from everything that I'm reading and seeing, the vibes seem to be good with the Jaguars. You know, Pearson is instilling a good, a new, you know, work ethic, a new mentality in the team. And it looks like it's rubbing off on Trevor Lawrence as well because he looked pretty good last week at times against the Commanders and he's continuing his good form this week and um i think we're starting to see the sort of trevor lawrence we hoped to have seen when he was with clemson oh absolutely yeah it, it looks like he is the quarterback that he was built up to be um yeah he he's he's starting to look confident right he never looked confident at all last season that, that was probably down to the coaching staff that was around him um but look look at the way these te- this team is playing now they they were right in the game at the end there against um, Washington, and they've beaten their divisional rivals in the Colts 24-0. This is looking like it could be a good football team. They might not be, as I said previously, one of the worst teams in football. Um, I'm hopeful looking forward, and I can't wait to see more out of, out of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, hopefully, and... Look, a big test for them coming up next week where they're going to be going to SoFi Stadium to take on the Chargers. So, especially against that Chargers front line of Mack and, and Bosa, we'll see what happens there with that. And look, the likes of JC Jackson and, and Derwin James in the backfield just waiting for an Aaron pass to pick it off. We'll see. Hopefully, um, the good run of form can continue for um, Trevor Lawrence and co. Let's move on to the late slate of games. And we're going to start actually in SoFi Stadium, the Atlanta Falcons 27, the Los Angeles Rams 31. The Falcons know how to give up 28 to 3 leads, but they couldn't come back from a 28 to 3 deficit this week. No, they could not, but they tried their damnedest. It was, uh, yeah, a little bit of an implosion from the, the Rams this week. I, I, I didn't see it coming at all, right? Uh, so I. I watched the first half of that game before going to bed on Sunday night and uh, the game was in the bag. Mariota was making errors. Uh, the offense was dysfunctional from start to finish. Um, and Stafford was looking good. Cup was looking good. Everybody on the Rams defense was looking good too. I don't know where this game got away from them, but it certainly did. Now, the scoreline maybe flattered uh, the Falcons a little bit, right, with that safety that they gave up uh, on purpose at the end of the game. Uh, the Rams did. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was an implosion from the, the Rams without the Falcons ever really looking like they were going to win that game, if you know what I mean. I don't know if you saw something different there. Did you think there was a hope at the end of the game? I think the f- the Rams seemed in control for most of the game. Um, and I don't know what it was. Was it tiredness? Was it sloppiness or something like that? Maybe they thought they were 
you know, just home. But the the Rams have a tendency to do this uh, in certain years against these weaker teams that, you know, aren't given a hope coming into it, that they you sort of tend to play down to their level a little bit. Um, mm. I thought maybe that was going to stop when they brought in Matt Stafford because it was normally when Jared Goff was on their centre that he would normally play down to the opponent. But Matthew Stafford hadn't got the best day ever. Yes, he threw for three touchdowns, but he threw two picks as well in that game. Um, and I'm sure Richard Sherman was delighted by that because he loves to say that Matt Stafford was the leading uh, interception uh, was it, had the most sorry interceptions in the league last year. So, um, but look, you know they have these great players. We saw Jalen Ramsey struggle last week against the Bills, and this one now he comes up with the game-winning interception um, to win the game for the Rams or to seal the game for the Rams. In that, um, yeah, I think I think I don't know. You know the defeat last week, the the dodgy win this week from the Rams. We see with a lot of teams that once they reach the top and they reach the the pinnacle of the game, winning the Super Bowl, you know, you want to think that these players are going to have the same hunger to do it again. But sometimes that's just not the fact that sometimes these players do take a step back unknowingly sometimes to them that they 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 rely on their laurels a little bit thinking that we are Super Bowl champions so we'll sail through this game. And maybe that was the mentality that um, caused um, them to sort of, you know, sleep a bit at the wheel and allow the Falcons back in. Yeah, 100% agree. You know, these guys are professionals. They're not going to be actively going out and saying, well, we're better than this team, so I'm just not going to try as hard. But we wouldn't talk about the Super Bowl hangover if it wasn't a proven thing in the NFL every single season. Whoever gets there are likely to have a down season the next season. And I think that's just because you gave so much the year before and it, it's difficult to get back to that level of of hype, of uh, motivation moving forward when you've been there and you've done it all the year before. Yeah, totally. Um, next week, the Rams actually travel to Arizona, home of this year's Super Bowl, to take on the Cardinals in an NFC, NFC, sorry, I should say, West matchup. And the Falcons are traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And I think that's the next game we'll have a look at. The Seattle Seahawks going down in Santa Clara against the 49ers by 27 points to 7. Um, before I sort of lose my mind a little bit there, Ian, I'll let you go first. What did you make of the game? Uh, this was this was a rough one for the um, the Seattle Seahawks. They, I, I don't. When was the first time that they scored offensive points? It was like into the third quarter, right? Fourth quarter. Fourth. Oh no, quarter. sorry, third quarter. You're right, third quarter. Yeah, that's... it wasn't even the offense that scored. Yeah, yeah. So it was the defense who came up with the points. That was just a rough day. Uh, at the office but I mean look the 49ers decent team it was always going to be difficult for the Seahawks and hey look at that GM now who gave all that money to Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's the smartest man in the NFL yeah true um should stay, start off by saying um thoughts are with Trey Lance you know an absolutely horrible injury to to get, um, he, I think he's getting surgery on Monday and he is expected to be out for the rest of the season. So hopefully he comes back um, 
uh, in good shape for next season. Yeah, the 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 Forty Niners got you could say got lucky, um, by keeping hold of Jimmy G. They were lucky that no one else in the league wanted Jimmy G, um, or wanted to give up picks for him. Um, but it was kind of irrelevant because the running attack of the 49ers just ran all over Seattle in this game. The defense, uh, under new defensive coordinator Clint Hurt, struggled in this game. And they struggled last week as well against the Broncos too. Um, a big issue is the defensive line has no penetration. It, there's no pass rush there at all. Um and I think that's a real struggle, especially for the backfield that are having to give they're giving these quarterbacks longer in the pocket. That means the backfield are having to cover players for longer and it's it's causing in these plays to to um progress and go on longer than they should. The offense, look, with the highs of last week, you were always going to get a a drop off. I didn't think the drop off would be as severe as it was. Um there was no rushing attack in this game. The 49ers stopped anything that was uh, try that was ran down their throats. Um, Gino struggled. Um, he had one pick. He should have had a second. Um, yeah, I think this was kind of more reverting to type. I think this was the sort of Seahawks team we expected to see this year um, with the changes that they made in trading Russ and, and, and everything like that too. Um they haven't scored now in six quarters, which is very concerning to the offense. Um, I don't know. They play, like I said, they play the Falcons next week. If they don't, if now it's, it's impossible. Like green, you know yourself. It's very hard not to score in the modern day NFL. It's very hard not to score because you get to like the 38 yard line, at least uh, like on the opposition area airline, you're at least going to have a kick at goal. You know, you, you get yeah. something. They never, they had nine offensive plays. They reached past, they went past halfway, I believe three times in those. It's nine of nine offensive series. Sorry, not plays. Um, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a really, really big struggle. And, um, look, things just have to, they just have to get back and work on things. That's all we can say. Like, we, we weren't expecting a lot in this season. Um, I think we were spoiled by the victory against against Russ and the Broncos last week. Um, we just have to try get back to work and, and see if we see if they can progress a little bit and try and you know get Gino in positions. Um, but let me ask you this question: All off season it was the battle between Locke and Gino. How long do you give it? Until do you or how long do you think Seattle gives it before they consider making a change? Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Uh, coming from that kind of same, well, I wouldn't say the same. Geno Smith is better than Sam Darnold, but we had a situation last year where in the Panthers there was a decision made to bench Sam Darnold in week eight uh, for PJ Walker. Now, I think it's it's a little bit different up there in Seattle because of the all of the positive press that Geno Smith has gotten in the past, particularly in Seattle, um, and some of the negativity behind uh, Drew Locke. I don't think that the, the Seattle fans will be calling out Drew Locke's name to try and get him in that game, regardless of how badly it's going for Geno Smith. Now, obviously, Pete Carroll... 
He's an older guy. He wants to get things done and winning as quickly as possible. So maybe if he sees something in uh, Drew Locke, I don't think he's going to hesitate to put him in. But I, I can't see it happening myself, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. No, I thought I'd ask the question. Because um, Drew Locke is, he was part of that trade. He is there. Um, I myself personally would not like to see the change over. Um, I think if Gino is struggling in this offense when he's been part of it for so many years, Drew Locke is would not work at all. Um, so right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be too keen to see Drew Locke on the center starting a game in the NFL for the, for the Seahawks. One hundred percent. But look, we'll move on. Um, because I could talk about the Seahawks all night. It could be its own podcast, and let's let's not do that. Um. Let's move on to probably one of the more surprising results of the weekend, and that is the Dallas Cowboys 20, the Cincinnati Bengals 17. You know, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush winning a game for the Dallas Cowboys against last year's Super Bowl losers, the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and Reen, I want to ask you this. With the struggles that they had last week, the struggles they had this week, and the amount of money to pay on that offensive line and still being unable to protect Joe Burrow, should we be concerned about the Bengals? I think we absolutely should, right? Uh, we had Jason Bell on uh, last week, and he said he was expecting a drop-off from the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but not as severe as it was in week one. We saw that drop-off fall off another cliff again uh, at the weekend. This is a really, really bad result for them. The offense couldn't get going, uh, you know, with with the with the talent that's there. Jamar Chase, um, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. This team is set up for success, and I don't know how they are so stale in their offense. Right, that they're, they're uh, as you mentioned, their O line can't protect Joe Burrow. Uh, they can't get the ball moving on the ground and they can't get receivers open. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I had a bad feeling this, this game was not going to go great for the Bengals when we heard, when I read the, the interview with Jamar Chase and saying that he didn't like Trayvon Diggs and his technique. And I know Trayvon Diggs gets a lot of, uh, gets a lot of grief, especially on this show. Um, but, when you hear when opposition players hear you dissing like you know dissing them like that, it does ramp up and it does give you that extra encouragement. Of course, it has to. Yeah, absolutely, it must because I know that if somebody's talking crap about the Pirates, I'll go out and play my best football because you just it it, it gets you going when someone talks bad about you. Um, yeah, I don't know why he's doing that. To be honest, keep your mouth shut, play your game. And if at the end of it you have a great day against them, then you go, well, look, I knew it was going to happen. But don't come out before a game dissing the guy you're going to be going up against. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I guess it's it's just desserts for, for Jamar because he struggled as well in that game. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs had him pretty locked down, only going for 54 yards, not getting a touchdown either. Um, in the game, let's move on to the the last few games here. Um, because I know we're we're a little conscious for time, and we'll get through them as quick as we can. The uh, the Houston Texans nine, the Denver Broncos sixteen. Uh, Russell Wilson gets the win in his home debut for the Denver Broncos. Um, but it was a struggle in this game. Um, they didn't actually register a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Um, uh, red zone struggles again for the team. 
fourth and uh, short yardage uh, calls from the the coach head coach and Nathaniel Hackett as well, causing you know dismay in the crowd and. Sean mentioned the the boos that we saw that we heard from the crowd with the offense and when they struggled, um, and also them because there was a lot of uh, you know I think there was a, there was a few um, delay of game penalties in this game too to go with the ones that they had last Monday against Seattle and the crowd you know counting down with the clock to sort of get the team you know that's not what the team needs right now. You know, there's a there's been a lot of changes in that in that front office. There's been a lot of changes on the field as well. You know, you got a new quarterback, new head coach. You know, we have our own thoughts about how successful the quarterback's going to be, but to be booing him as he's coming off the field, and look, you can say that, oh, we were booing the head coach. That kind of makes it worse as well, because that's your new head coach that you shouldn't be booing either. You should be giving as much support as you can. Um and I just, I didn't like anything that the Denver Broncos fan base here. I don't think they have anything to be proud of um, in this case. Um, they they talked about after this rush trade and getting Nathaniel Hackett in that they were already Super Bowl champions. Your team is struggling now and now you just can't deal with it and you're booing them. It's just, you know, you've got to check your priorities here and see that this team needs your support, not for you to be giving out about them. Right. Yeah. Now it it was not a good look for the fan base, and I think we we can't just lump them all into the one. Right. There's obviously guys still on that Russ bandwagon. There's guys who believe in Nathaniel Hackett, but the guys in the stadium really have to show that support. And it was never going to be an easy just plug and play for Russell Wilson. We see that it's it's never like that for quarterbacks who move um to quote unquote contenders. Uh, in the offseason, like we saw it with Tom Brady when he moved over to Tampa Bay. He did not have the most auspicious start in the world when he got over there, but nobody was booing him because they trusted the process. And I think that's what the Denver Broncos need to do now. And the fan base, they need to trust the process. Russell Wilson, he is not the only guy in the franchise. So just stop focusing all your attention on him. Um, And, you know, this guy, we know he is a proven commodity in the NFL. He can make plays. He can make the playoffs. He can win Super Bowls and has done in the past. Trust the process. It's one and one. Anything can happen from here. So in a game that you actually won at the end of the day and you're booing your quarterback, head coach, counting down the game clock, it's just not right. Just don't do it. No. Fully agree, fully agree. Um, and we'll see now what the Broncos can do next week because they are actually on the Sunday Night Football um, entertaining the San Francisco 49ers. So Rush coming up, Russ, I should say, coming up against an old foe in the 49ers. And we'll see what the crowd do when they have national uh, media coverage on them as well in this game. But um, we have two games left to cover. It's the last of the late games. And it was the crazy finish in Las Vegas, the Arizona Cardinals beating the Las Vegas Raiders 29 points to 23. The Cardinals scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter to uh, the Raiders, none to force overtime, including that crazy, <laughs> that crazy two point conversion where I think the stat was um, Murray ran for officially 84 yards to get 
five yards to get into the end zone. An unbelievable finish. Marred at the end by the video that came out. I don't know if you saw of um, a fan appearing to attack um, Kyler Murray as he's trying to celebrate the win at the end. But uh, an unbelievable result and a much needed result for Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. Right, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting this out of the Cardinals. But boy, oh boy, how good was uh, Kyler Murray in that game. He was unbelievable at extending the play, getting out of the pocket, rushing downfield. And he did have that interception that he threw out. I think it was in the second half. That wasn't great. He broke the pocket, threw on the run, into double coverage. Should never have thrown that football. Um, but yeah, look, that, that play, I would like to see how long that went on for. It was probably 20 seconds. Uh, because obviously it's an untimed down, right? We don't get the mm-hmm. clock to see how long it's gone on for. But it was probably 20 seconds before he got that in the end zone. Yeah, just another incredible game uh, to cap off the weekend. Yeah. And on the other side of things, we Devontae Adams went for over 100 yards in a touchdown last week against the Chargers. And, and this week he was a lot more quieter, only getting... Um, two receptions for 12 yards, one of them being a touchdown pass. But, you know, showing that um, when you, if you do shut down the connection between Adams and Carr, you can shut down this uh, Raiders offense. Right. And with a, you know, I think it's safe to say a subpar defense as well. Um, The Arizona Cardinals are not going to be number one or number two in the league in terms of total uh, offense so it just goes to show that you know if you can key in on a major uh, connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver and shut that down you're really really able to get things done in the NFL and I think that's what the Arizona Cardinals did yesterday yeah totally and um, moving on then to next week for the two teams we should mention too like I mentioned the Cardinals going uh, entertaining the Rams the the Raiders traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans in a game now with the Raiders being 0-2 is turning into a must win this is absolutely a must win for the Raiders they have playoff aspirations this year and starting off 0-3 statistics tells you you're not making the playoffs exactly they with the um, with the odds there now, with the percentage chance of them making the playoffs starting 0-2 is pretty low as it is. But you go to 0-3, and especially in that division and in that conference with as many teams as strong as they are, if you go 0-3, you could pretty much maybe put a fork in the Raiders for this year and maybe say that they're done. Yeah, 100%. Let's move on to our last game, and that is the Sunday Night Football the kind of, I guess you could say, maybe non-event in the end. The Chicago Bears 10, the Green Bay Packers 27. Um, you know, we won't talk much about the game itself with it being a blowout, but I heard an interesting uh, I heard an interesting thing there by uh, Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football this morning where he was sort of giving out about the fact that every year, like this game, if either in Soldier Field or in Lambeau, one of them, is put on the Sunday Night Football for national uh, TV coverage. And he is calling for the um, the schedule makers to stop doing this. Um, and with the fact that I don't think the Bears have won in, did we was it five years, I think? it's They haven't won a game against uh, yeah, the Packers. Yeah, yeah. F- five years they haven't won. That's, uh, that's some stat to go on. And I, I, I guess it's hard to disagree with Kyle's views. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why this is making prime time, um, particularly with, with, you know, the record. It's it's 11 straight now, I think, 
that uh, the Packers have won against the the Bears, and a lot of them have not been pretty, right? This is never really a, a tight game uh, between divisional rivals. I think um, who was Rogers said that he's starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, but he owns the Chicago Bears. Yeah. That pretty much stands through, uh, and I would challenge the Bears to uh, challenge that statement, but they haven't done it yet. No, they haven't. Um, a big day for Aaron Jones as well last night for going for 132 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Also having another 38 yards in the air too. On the other side, you know, bright sparks in terms of David Montgomery going for over 100 yards on the ground against against his Packers team. Justin Fields only throwing for 70 yards though in this game and, and one, um, one interception, but he did rush uh, getting rushing touchdown, I should say, in the first quarter. I've seen a few people set, um, start to you know turn a bit on Justin Fields, but I'd love to get your view on it, Rian, quickly before we go. Justin Fields, he's 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 in a tough situation in Chicago. There's been a lot of change since he's come into the league. You know, new head coach, new GM. It is we've we've said this about the Bears that it's going to take time to build that roster up, and you know. I don't think now is the right time to start um, talking about giving up on your quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there. Um, it 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 takes a lot of time to rebuild a franchise the way the, the Bears are looking to rebuild. It also seems to take a long time for Ohio State quarterbacks to acclimatize to the NFL for whatever reason. And Justin Fields is one of those guys. So I don't know why people are so quick to turn on him. He obviously has the talent, right? We see flashes every single week that this guy is made for the NFL. So, I, yeah, I I can't really see why uh, the fan base would turn on him. I'm not sure what the, the thoughts are of the kind of Bears diehards. I think they're still on that Fields train. But everybody else outside of that organization seems to be gone cold on him a little bit yeah yeah and i think it's unfair that i think he is a player that has a lot of talent and i think that you put some decent pieces around him and a decent offensive line i think you are going to see some great things out of him but that brings us to the end of this edition of the other center podcast uh rain thank you so much as always for uh popping on the chat it's been a pleasure as usual very fun i would say ah see i wasn't i'm not that boring after all <laughs> Until the next week that I'm not available and I have to hear it again. <laughs> the slander um, starts again. Yeah, The slander starts again. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, but like I said, that is going to be the end of it. Before you, we go, make sure you are following us on our social media channels at UndercenterPod on Twitter, at UndercenterPod on Instagram. Search us on YouTube, UndercenterPodcast. To do the exact same wherever you listen to your podcasts to find us there so you can listen to us on the go. Uh, we will be back on Thursday, looking ahead to the Thursday night football, and we will have a couple of guests in line in store for that too. Keep an eye on our socials to find out who will be on the show. Um, if you do also, if you're interested in a prediction league, I must also say we are running a prediction league on the Fanzo app, F A N Z. Oh, if you're interested in joining a prediction league, download the Fanzo app. Go to NFL Tipping Game. Put in, join a league, put in the code CENTER, C-E-N-T-R-E, um, and then you can join the league. 
And it's a great way to get some bragging rights over your friends and possibly maybe win some prizes at the end of the year. Well worth getting in. And we're all in it. So you get to uh, put your predictions against all of us too. So um, it's a good way to say maybe if you do better than Reed, you can replace him on the show. Who knows? We'll see. I, I'm running a it's risk. Likely if, you will do better than me. Because but... if Rain does better than me and then someone else does better than me, then I have to leave the show. So let's not do that. Because <laughs> that's entirely possible. That's entirely possible. Well, like I said, that's all the time we have for on this edition of the show. Until next time, stay safe and we'll see you soon.